0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: That's what the poster
0: said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
1: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7
3: ESPN. <laughs>
2: Is the Dan Grosser show?
3: And if you're the Mets, you know their offense had kind of gone into witness protection over the last week, right? Especially with Pete Alonso on the shelf. They put up six runs in that game last night, and they lost. And that's the frustrating thing about it. If you're a Met fan, you score six runs, you should win the game. If I would have told you before the game, you got a guy in the mound who's going to the Hall of Fame five years after he calls it quits, he's going to be up on that podium in Cooperstown making a speech, going to have his plaque the whole nine yards. But nevertheless, if I would have told you he gets six runs, Max Scherzer on the mound. Forget about the chat. a 5-1 lead, but six runs you think would be enough for Max Scherzer, right? Nope, nope, didn't happen. This
2: is the Dan Grasso Show. You know, living the dream one nightmare <laughs> at a time. On 98.7 ESPN.
3: Is that the slogan for the show, living the dream one nightmare at a time? Let's hope not. Hopefully we're a little bit more pleasing than that. We try to be at least. Hour number two, Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. We're rolling till 10. Then it's Gordon and Larry right here on 9870 ESPN, 800-919-3776. And that is the telephone number, at Dan Grasas, where you can get me on Twitter. Subway series underway, game number two, no score in the first inning. Three up, three down for both Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, the former Astro teammates themselves. Um, we'll get to the basketball in just a few minutes. Let us say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello,
4: Jose. Good evening, Mr. Graza, <laughs> and I just wanted to talk to you and definitely chime in on this, you know, Yankee plot, you know, storyline that I've been, you know, hearing, and it's just kind of gotten me annoyed because the one thing that I can't stand is, is I cannot stand when a person tells you how to feel. hmm and it, I find it the most insulting thing to our own, you know, comprehension, because just because, because I only can compare it to a person that's been in a battered relationship. And, you know, for a person that's been in a battered relationship, now that person is going to go and tell a younger person who just got hit for the first time, Oh, Jose, you know these what? are very graphic examples you're situation. using.
3: You're—I mean, my <laughs> goodness, Jose is. I, I feel like this is like a, an after-school special or something. Jose, is this a—is this a cry for help, my friend? Do you need—do you need assistance?
4: You know what it is—is is that it's like it's like. You know, Can we get him a phone because- number, guys? You know what it is? I am more concerned with, like, I am not a kid because I I don't mean to go out at at certain fan bases, but I don't care about loser fan bases telling me how to feel about my own team. I don't care about even my fellow Yankee fans, who I'm questioning the very thought, if they are Yankee fans, telling me that I need to calm down and our team is uh, 10 games above 500, because all the winning teams in the 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and oh my God the late 70s and and late 90s they all strive to be 10 games over 500 Mr. Graza they all strive to just lose in the playoffs and just be happy with that because oh my God it's too hard in the words of Michael Kay to win a championship in this day and age I am getting sick and tired of this notion. This is not the expectation. This expectation wasn't started with the Steinburners. This expectation was started way before. This is the New York Yankees, and they need to start acting like the New York Yankees. And I hope Joe Leo is right when he told me that he is so optimistic that Cashman is going to be able to make a deadline deal that will possibly, you know, turn this into a positive thing. I cannot pray for that more as a Yankee fan. Because then it will show me that Cashman still has it, and it will show me that Boone is actually deserving of that magic managerial position because all he has been is a, is a pretty much stat boy, yes-man yes manager. Do you want- I don't care what people tell me because there is no way Dusty Baker is following a loose-leaf scrapbook Scrapbook in every single decision. I'm getting annoyed. I'm sorry, Mr. graza I needed to sound off on this because I'm tired of all these people trying to tell me how to feel.
3: Wow. Jose, that's a good <laughs> that's a good phone call. Jose, towel off a little bit, get some liquids, relax, have a busy week. and we'll talk to you tomorrow. There's Jose in Brooklyn. That's a good phone call. Jose was into it. He was fired up. Although, as far as the Yankees and their chances of um possibly winning a World Series this year, as a wise man once said. They ain't winning. Daniel Vogelback might be available, Jose. If you want that as a splashy trade deadline acquisition. Oh yeah. <laughs> Woo! Oh man. You know, I I gotta be honest with you. Like, you know, Jose brought up something interesting talking about that winning. Mentality with the Yankees, the championship or bust, and you know the Steinbrenners and when they start. I got. I, I have to be honest with you. To me, I, I'm I'm going back. That to me, I was not conscious of that until they started winning in the late 90s. You know, once they started reeling off those championships, that's when it became championship or bust. At least to me, in my lifetime. Growing up as a kid or whatnot, before like the nineties dynasty happened for the Yankees, like I didn't hear anybody talking about this, the Yankees, they've got to win championships. Because remember, it'd been a long time since the Yankees had won. Been a hell of a long time. Remember, it was almost doing some quick math in my head. What you was know, like 18 years between drinks, right? When they finally won in 96. So for all those 18 years, I don't remember hearing, and I wasn't alive for all of them, but I don't remember hearing that all oh, the Yankees have to win a championship. No ifs, ands, or buts. That wasn't always the end-all, be-all. But look, I'll reiterate what I said in the first hour when we were talking about the Yankees and their current state of affairs. Is it ideally where you want to be? No, of course not. But it is still only the middle of June. But for the middle of June, there are worse alternatives that you can be saddled with, i.e., the team that you're playing tonight. That's pretty pathetic. Anthony's in Queens. He's next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Anthony. How are you?
4: Hey, Dan. Doing well. Thanks. Uh, So I, I had a question, and I'm a big Yankee fan. I hate a lot of the Yankee fans that call because they are very negative. But, yes, there's a lot to be negative about. Um, so Cashman, I think he's, he's like another Steinbrenner. He's lifelong there. He's never going to, you know, be fired. Do you think that maybe he's just waiting to take over the president of baseball operations from Randy Levine?
3: Well, Randy Levine's not the president of baseball operations. He's the president of the, fa- the franchise. He deals with more of the business affairs and everything. Brian Cashman is the in- president of baseball operations. Brian uh, Well, Cashman in terms is- of comp,
1: who gets paid more?
3: I I didn't get a check of the books and the and, and the payroll uh, over at the stadium, but in terms of in terms of the hierarchy, like when you, when you're talking about the organizational structure, you have the owner, then you have the president, and then you have the guy who runs the actual team and the sport, and so on and so forth. So it's different uh, okay. branches. You know what I mean? Like, Brian Cashman is is the chief when it comes to the baseball decision-making. Randy Levine is the president of the organization as a whole, but he tends more with business stuff, not baseball.
1: Gotcha. Thanks, Dan.
3: Yeah, that's all it is. And, look, I don't think that it, it it's very rare that that would happen. Like, for example, you see the structure right now with some teams in the sport. You got a president of baseball operations and a general manager, right? You have one or the other. Like when Sandy Alderson was still with the Mets, Sandy Alderson was the president and Billy Epler was the general manager, right? There's other teams, you know, for a long time, uh, I I think he transitioned to another role now, but like Billy Bean out with the Oakland A's, he was the president of baseball ops, but the GM was David Forst, you know, and a lot of other teams have that same type of a setup. Right, I mean, the Chicago Cubs with Theo when he was there. Theo was the president of baseball operations. Jed Hoyer was the general manager. And on and on and on. Some guys have the same title, GM and president of baseball ops. It Depends if they want to pay two guys for the same job. Right? Alleviates the burden on one and and versus the other. But in the meantime, Cashman has outlived how many lifetimes? For an organization which once upon a time was known for turning over things pretty quickly. And making rash decisions. And bringing in new personnel, new employees. It seemed like you know every which way the wind blowed. But Brian Cashman has managed to withstand the test of time. And good for him. Right? But you still have to produce. And the Yankees are still making the playoffs. Maybe they think that they're running into some hard luck once October rolls around. What would ultimately end Brian Cashman, I would think, is if they have non-playoff seasons. You know, I, I, I term... And compare, excuse me, I compare Brian Cashman's run with the Yankees to what, remember what Lou Lamorello was with the Devils? Lou Lamorello literally ran the whole show there. Lou was everything. I mean, you think like Brian Cashman, like Lou ran everything with the Devils. He was the president of the organization, so like handled all the business stuff, general manager, handling all the hockey stuff. VP of hockey ops, whatever you want to get. He made every decision about anything. The only person above him was the owner. And the owner gave him complete authority to do whatever the hell he wanted because he won three Stanley Cups, he was a Hall of Famer, and he was considered one of the best executives in sports, rightfully so. But what ultimately ended lose time in New Jersey is, guess what? When the older guys got older, and the Hall of Famers and the guys who were part of that dynasty, you know, the Stevens and the Niedermeyers moved on, and Brodeur, you know, finally moved on past his way, and the Devils... When they rebuilded, they had a few years where they stopped going to the playoffs and the results weren't there. And you couldn't fall back on the results anymore to where the owner, new ownership came in and said, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time for a change. And they brought in a GM. They kicked Lou up to be, you know, the, the so-called president and kind of have less of a workload. And Lou was like, nah, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And his old buddy Brendan Shanahan called from Toronto and said, hey, you want to come and be the GM here? And he left. That's what it would probably take for Brian Cashman. Yankees are going to have to have years, plural, to where they don't make the playoffs. Is that happening anytime soon? I can't see it. Let's say hi to Tommy in Connecticut, who's up next. Tom, how are you?
1: Dan, good evening, bud.
3: Hello, sir. What's going on, bud?
1: Oh, just wanted to chime in on this Yankees Cashman talk. your, Your good buddy Donnie always goes on this rant about the Yankees and how. Since, like 92. I think they've played two games where they were not in playoff contention. It, he's not going to lose his job that way. You know, he, and the Yankees are not going to let the they're not going to let the team go the way of the Red Sox or the way of, you know, the Royals where they're going to win a World Series and then finish last in the division 3 years in a row. No. They're not going to not going to tank like the Astros had to do to get these players. They're just not going to do it. And it's, it's it's impressive. I got no problem with the guy. He put out a representative product every single year. Every and, single year for 162 games.
3: And as long as he satisfies his superiors, and in this case, Steinbrenner, ownership, as long as they're okay with it, and they're still giving him the wherewithal each off season to go out there and make big, splashy moves, spend money if they decide to go big game hunting, then that's not going to change, Tom. It really isn't. 'Cause they're no, content it's with not.
1: it. And and you know, it's been, you know, pretty uh pretty widely known. He's basically he's basically like the fifth Steinbrenner child. You know, he's he's part of the family.
3: That's what it seems like. Right? Like I said, twenty five years is a long time. In 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 any sport and any profession. I mean, how many executives, general managers in his case, have kept the job for twenty five years with one organization? I, I, it's not it, it's not coming.
1: I mean, well, I mean I mean I mean, how long has Popovich been with the Spurs? Because I know he's he's had a good run, and he's got a lot to do with, uh, you know... He's been there players. about 30 years. Close to yeah, it. I mean, that's the only other thing I can think of. You know, him and Belichick, maybe. like.
3: And Popovich was a guy, you know, when he first got to San Antonio, he was the GM. He was the GM, and then he made himself the coach. And then they brought in R.C. Buford or whatever to be the general manager to take some of the pressure off of him. But, yeah, I mean... Popovich is that guy that you think has free reign just because of everything that he won. Now, it's funny. Popovich, when you have all those Hall of Fame players not on your team anymore, you don't look like much of a genius, do you? But he's been I, able to yeah, put no. enough pellets on the wall to where he could stay. Exactly. And they're going to reload, too, because they're going to get Victor in the draft. And, and, you know, the next Spurs dynasty is probably going to start.
1: Yeah, and he'll, he'll coach until he's 95.
3: Exactly. Exactly. But, hey, you know, this is the situation that we find ourselves in. And, Tommy, thank you for the phone call, as always. And the Yankees, they're not going to have one of those years. I I I mean, they're just not. And I think a guy like Brian Cashman, not that he needs it anyway. You know, he doesn't need anybody to kind of have his back or make excuses for him or the job that he did. Having somebody like Aaron Judge... Miss however long he's going to miss this year. That's another feather in the cap for the GM if they're winning games. Hell, it's a feather in the cap for Aaron Boone. The longer they win games. You know, the, the the Carlos Rodon thing is a little bit different because that was a guy that they gave a bunch of money to. But this is also a guy who was injury prone. All right. Carlos Rodon was a guy who does not exactly have a clean bill of health as far as his baseball career is concerned. And the Yankees gave him all that money, he hasn't thrown a pitch yet. Do they point the finger at the general manager for that one? You know, you look at the Yankees. How many times have they just missed out on the playoffs altogether? What, three times since they won that last World Series. And those three years they missed the playoffs, they still were winning seasons. They still finished over five hundred. Maybe that's okay to the organization. Each circumstance is different. We know that. But the games are selling out, right? Money's coming in. Team is popular. That's never going to wane. And if you're comfortable with a guy, you might as well run it back. And with Cashman, they have for 25 years. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll get into some hoops when we return. How about Bradley Beal to the Knicks? that float your boat any? Dan Gross's show, till 10, right here on 9870 SPN.
0: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow.
2: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
3: Glad to see that the rain moved out of here. It was pretty nasty there earlier, but beautiful night. Got some baseball. Scoreless. In the third inning, Subway Series Round 2 between the Mets and the Yankees. You know, next week is the NBA Draft. It'll be next Thursday, as a matter of fact. We'll have it for you right here on 98.7 ESPN. If you can't get in front of a TV, you can listen to it. So we'll have every pick covered for you. Knicks, of course, are not going to be that active as far as making picks are concerned, at least in the first round, because we know that that pick is something that went by the wayside in a previous transaction. But nevertheless, it doesn't mean that they still can't be involved in possibly upgrading the talent on this basketball team. And the rumor today, the the, the juicy one, which is kind of floating around there involves Bradley Beal. Now, Bradley Beal's a guy, his name has been brought up before. My show, this radio station, anytime you talk about potential targets on another team and trying to just improve the overall talent. And why wouldn't you, right? I mean, Bradley Beal is a guy, whether you like him or not, whether he's your cup of tea or not, he's somebody that is a productive scorer, three-time All-Star, the whole nine yards, You know, he has done something in this league. Makes a lot of money, too. Makes a lot of money. But here's the problem with Bradley Beal. Last few years, Bradley Beal has not exactly had, how can I put this, perfect attendance when it comes to showing up for games. Only played 50 games this past year. Last year, he only played in 40 games. That's a lot of basketball. That's a lot of time. So you missed half the season two years ago. This past season, you almost missed half the year. And yet he's cashing a pretty, pretty nice paycheck. I think we all would sign up for that in a heartbeat. This was the first year of a new five-year deal that he signed. $251 million. That is a nice chunk of change. So let me break that down for you first and foremost. What is still owed to this guy? $46.7 $46.7 million next year, $50.2 million the year after that, $53.6 million in year number three, and then he's got a player option, get this, in 2026, for $57.1 million. Wow. This is a beautiful country, is it not? It's a beautiful country in the sense that there's going to be a human being in the summer of 2026... And a guy who's not even probably still going to be in his prime. Because at that point, he's going to be mid-30s, right? And he is going to wake up one morning and have a choice. The choice to get paid $57 million to maybe only play half a season. Right? I mean, that hasn't stopped him from cashing those checks over the last couple of years. and They've been good checks. But can you imagine waking up one morning and being... Questioned as to whether or not you want to have that in your paycheck. Wow. It's a great place. It's a great place to be. Question is, is Madison Square Garden the right place for Bradley Beal? Now, first off, you ask yourself, well, why would Washington move him? Well, Washington is turning over a new leaf. They've got new management, right? They've turned things over. They hired a new GM. So if that's the case, and they want to maybe gut this roster, Michael Winger is the team president. The owner, Ted Leonsis, who owns the Washington Capitals, among others, he told them, you know what, you've got my blessing. Whatever you want to do, if you think it's going to turn us back to contention faster, be my guest. Trade off some of these assets that we have. And if that's the case, should the Knicks be the ones waiting in line to pick up the phone? A lot of money. It's a lot of money. Now, can Bradley Beal shoot? Yeah, he's proven he can. Can he score? Yeah, hundred percent. But anytime Bradley Beal's name has been brought up in the past, at least with me, I'm a little hot and cold on it. Like I, I, I just think that if you're going to go all in. And you got to get a little creative. Remember, you got to give up stuff. You're not just going to be able to get them out of the goodness of your heart. You're going to have to give up some assets. You're going to have to make the money work more than anything else. They're not going to restructure, right? This ain't the NFL where they restructure the contract to make it fit under the cap. No, he's getting paid. He's getting all that money. You have to ask yourself is it worth making that type of a financial commitment to a guy that's not going to be the best player on your team? Hell, he might not even be one of the top two players on your team. Right? I mean, if Julius Randle is still here, you say Bradley Beal should be given more authority over Julius? A Brunson-Beal backcourt might not be the worst thing in the world, but it's Jalen Brunson's basketball team. Would Jalen Brunson feel okay? Now you're bringing in a guy who's making a lot more money than he is for everything that Brunson's done for this team in one year? How he gave up his body in the playoffs just to try to will that team past the Miami Heat? We know they came up short, but not for lack of effort. If you're okay parting ways with somebody like Mitchell Robinson, among others, draft choices, and absorbing that type of a financial hit for the next three, four years, then he's your guy. But is it really going to make that big of an improvement to your team? Right? When you're looking in the playoffs, let's say, and you're looking for somebody to alleviate some of that scoring pressure, something that we were clamoring for in that Heat series, where it was Brunson out, there at times all by himself, when Randall was struggling, when R.J. Barrett had one of his disappearing acts. By the way, happy birthday to R.J. Barrett. Right? Is Bradley Beal the guy, is he the the surefire one that is going to be able to elevate this Knicks team potentially to the conference finals, to the NBA finals? Well, it's not like Bradley Beal's ever been part of a team that's made it past the second round, last time I checked. It's not like you're getting a proven winner. And I know that's not all his fault, per se. I just think, I just think you might have better options out there. You know, because if you're saving up for that one big splash, I don't know if Bradley Beal is the guy that I would term the big splash. Here's Brian Winhorst of ESPN fame on KJM earlier today talking about Beal.
4: I just think over the last three or four years when we've heard Bradley Beal rumors, I don't think they've ever been super legitimate. But I do think right now, before the draft, if they're going to do it, it would be now. And I think that the heat would be at the front of it. And I'm going to tell you, if Bradley Beal gets traded between now and next Thursday, I think people are going to be very surprised at the price Mm. and how potentially low it's going to be, Mm. because his contract is not attractive, especially going forward, what it would mean to have a $50 million. Player on your team that may not be, you know, a first or second All NBA type player, and that's if I'm not saying they're going to.
3: I just gave you the numbers, right? The dollars, his attendance record, add all those things up. You want to tie yourself into that? Do you? That's why I would pass. Let some other team. Let him. Let him go to the Miami Heat. See how that works out for him. Maybe the warm air down there is going to be good for all his achy bones. We'll see. I don't know if this is the right fit. This, to me, if they were to acquire Bradley Beal and go all in and take on that money, that's almost like a Knicks move from the past. Right? It's almost like bringing back the sins of the past for name value more than anything else. Knicks are doing this thing the right way. They're building something. I just don't think you sacrifice all that stuff for a guy that is far from a certainty, as far as I'm concerned. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We get some Knicks calls in here. We'll also get into some football with the Giants, who wrapped up their minicamp today. And now it's on to the offseason. Grasso Show here, 987 ESPN.
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team.
2: This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
3: No score in the Bronx. Nothing. Or in the Bronx. Of course there's no score in the Bronx because there's no game tonight. There's no MLS game there, is it, Harvey? There's no uh, NYCFC or something? No. Harvey doesn't speak anymore. He just speaks in sound effects. It's like our own personal robot.
4: I was trying to to
3: get a (laughs) rejoining. Hi, everybody. But no, I mean. It's like over here now, it's like, or ding. They will be back at Yankee Stadium, though, this NYCFC bunch. When? Saturday. 3.30, I mind you. 3.30? Early kickoff, yep. Well, the Yankees are in Fenway this weekend, so they can lease out the joint to play uh, soccer. They play one of the best teams in the East again, in Columbus. You know, not to be the, you know bearer of bad news and Mr. Gloom and Doom. That's not what I'm trying to do. But just kind of like piggybacking on how much the Mets are struggling here. So they had the nightmarish series last week in Atlanta, got swept. Now you got the, the, you know, they lose two out of three in Pittsburgh. Then you got the Yankees in town. You know, you lose tonight, you're going to lose both games of the Queens-Subway series. Then I mentioned their name earlier in the show. The Cardinals might be the biggest train wreck in all of baseball right now. And that's who's coming into City Field this weekend. Let's just say, I, 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 like, I'm, I, I don't want it to happen, but let's just say Mets don't get the job done tonight and then they have a losing series against St. Louis. At what point, if you're Steve Cohen, even though it was a week ago where he said he's Mr. Patient, at what point do you wake up on Monday morning and say to yourself, you know what, this can't continue? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What am I paying for? Don't you think that thought has to possibly cross his mind at some point here? But both pitchers have looked really, really good so far here in the fourth inning. Verlander and Cole, they're both on top of their games. Cole hasn't given up a hit through three. Verlander's given up just one. But this is the part of the game that generally gives Verlander a little bit of issues here of late. You know, once you get to those middle innings, second time through the batting order. So it'll be interesting in the fifth and the sixth how he fares if he starts to lose a little bit. Because so far, he's... Looked like the guy who won the freaking Cy Young Award last year for the Houston Astros. Um, Do you guys see this last night, by the way? So in Oakland, they had reverse boycott night. Told you this was going to happen. And and what essentially that was is the diehard fans of the Oakland A's, they got together and they planned this out to where they were going to show up in droves for last night's game. Now, Oakland's attendance is the worst in baseball this year. They're averaging like 5,000 people a game, and that might even be generous. So they said, we are going to show up. We're going to come tried and true because we want to show ownership and show the baseball world that it's not the stadium. It's not that fans just, you know, don't care about the team. It's ownership's fault. So they showed up last night, over 27,000 people, they won their seventh in a row, as a matter of fact. And remember, the last two have come against Tampa Bay Rays, who were the best team in the damn sport. So what does that seven-game winning streak mean? Well, Oakland, believe it or not, does not have the worst record in baseball anymore. That belongs to the Kansas City Royals, who have 18 wins. Oakland's got 19. And our buddy Vinny Pascutino, by the way, first baseman for the, uh, the Royals, now going to have season-ending shoulder surgery. I feel bad about that. Vinny's a big Jet fan, season ticket holder. So hopefully we'll have him on uh, our pregame show before one of the games this year over at MetLife Stadium. So last night, though, in the middle of that game, I believe it was in the fifth inning, they orchestrated the fans that were in tow that they were going to make their message loud and clear to the ownership as to how they feel about their team. Take a listen. Swinging a fair ball inside the third base line, and Siri's going to turn and make his way to second, and he has notions about third. He'll put the brakes on as Seth gets it back in. We heard the uh, crowd go silent, and now getting very loud at the Coliseum. Rays trying to open the scoring, and uh, Hogan can't hear with the pitch calm because of the crowd. and now time has called. Things have gotten loud here, and this is certainly a new experience in 2023 at the Coliseum. And if you're going to use the technology, you got to make sure it works, right? I mean, pretty significant time may have caught Hogan by surprise. Now, that's NBC Sports California out there. That's a tough spot for an announcer because obviously they're selling. They're they're yelling, sell the team to the ownership. John Fisher is one of the least liked men in all the Major League Baseball by. His constituency, in this case, the A's fans, had no comment today. He was in town, by the way, was in town, and when asked for comment about the situation involving the club, he had none, which is kind of weak. But the announcer there, you heard that, like, even though anybody and their mother watching it, it's just overwhelming to sell the team chance, he's sitting there and trying to talk about the pitch com and trying to hopefully divert everybody's attention to the fact that the pitcher can't hear because the crowd is so loud. Oh, it's a mechanical issue with that pitch come. Ha, 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 ha. It's really a tough spot. You know, I don't envy a guy in that situation. I've had plenty of those instances, like, you know, where you're kind of just trying to keep it on the straight and narrow, but that's tough. It's like the worst kept see. It's the elephant in the room. The elephant in the stadium, in the decrepit old stadium. Speaking of stadiums in Baltimore right now, how about this? A no-hitter happening. Bottom of the seventh inning, the Blue Jays have a 1 0 lead on the Baltimore Orioles right now. Jose Barrios, six and a third innings. Wait, Baltimore just got a hit. So why are they show so it's over? Abley Rutschman. You jinxed it, man. No, I I I didn't jinx it. The hit happened already. I didn't even know that it happened. I thought that they, you know, the little icon they showed the guy in first base. I thought it was a walk. So Adley Rutchman, the dude, breaks up Jose Barrios as no hitter. It's one nothing Toronto in the 7th inning though in that game. Do you think that bird bath section would fly like if it was in one of the New York stadiums here? And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, like the or, earlier in the season the Orioles did this thing on the bench, like when a guy would hit a home run, they would take out this hose and 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 do kind of like they would drink it and then spit it like, you know, a bird bath, whatever. The Orioles, the birds, you get it. So the marketing team for the organization, decided to come up with an idea like, hey, let's have a section out in the outfield, and we call it the birdbath zone, to where if the Orioles hit a home run, they got some yo-yo in like a tube, and he's got like a hose or something at the front of the section to where if the O's hit one out of the park, he doused everybody in that section with water. I don't know if that would fly here. You know, this is New York. It's a little bit different. I don't know if people would pay all that money, even if you got free tickets. I don't think people would pay all that money to go to a game to then get soaked. You know, they have those on occasion, and they're called rain delays. You could sit through them if you want. But most people don't agree to do that. They'll go seek shelter. I know I wouldn't want my clothes wet if I went to a game. Right? Well, first of all, I wouldn't sit there.
0: If it's 80 degrees outside, that's one thing, right?
3: Little even bit. even if though, like depending on how much you get soaked, like that's not a pleasurable experience.
0: It's a water gun. It's not like a fire. Hose. But
3: what if you? What if your? What if your pants get wet? What if your your shorts get wet? Your underwear gets wet. You want to sit there in that? And that, that that's disgusting.
0: What if you already sweat it? It's you know cooling it off.
3: That just adds to the stink. You know it'll get in all those nook and crannies. You don't want that. Even on a hot day, I hear what you're saying, but I I, I don't know if that would fly. And where would you put it? I mean, Yankee Stadium already has the bleacher creatures. You know where they should do the it? Line. They should do it at City Field. What's the name of the new club they have in right field where it's like twenty five thousand dollars a seat or something like that? The Jack Daniels. The State Jack Daniels, yeah, that's where they should do it. If the if the Met's in a home run, you should have some yo yo running the Jack Daniels club and just like doused everybody with water.
0: I just have Mr. Met with it like Mr. A giant Met. super soaker.
3: Absolutely. You know, Mr. Met doesn't have a lot to do these days. Just get him out there with a super soaker, boom. You know, you would think normally, like, that's a team that is struggling a little bit. I mean, the Orioles are good. Like, the Orioles don't have to resort to, like, these gimmicky things. But the fan base has been beaten down there for so long, they'll just probably jump on board with anything. Right? With anything. If it means that they're winning games. And the Orioles are good. I mean, you don't realize, like, Tampa Bay is having, you know, this great start to the season and whatnot. Orioles are only two games behind Tampa Bay in the loss column. Just two. Two. And that's why if you're the Yankees, you got to, like, hold out hope that even though you're eight games out of first or whatever it is, Tampa might come back to the pack a little bit. And if Judge can return, if Rodon can return, you know, the Yankees still have an opportunity to win a division. It's not impossible. Yanks are eight games out. Mets are ten and a half out of first place. I think that the Mets quest – To get to the top of the National League East is a hell of a lot more formidable than anything that the Yankees are maybe going to encounter, even though from top to bottom the AL East is better than the NL East. They ain't winning. No, they're not winning at all. 800-919-3776. Brian Keltzheimer on some NBA coming up at 9. Jordan Renan at 9.30. We haven't even talked about the Giants yet. They wrapped up minicamp today. They're done for the summer. Well, at least until training camp. Let's talk some Big Blue when we return. Grasa Show 98.70 ESPN. Harvey doesn't speak anymore. He just speaks in sound effects.
2: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
3: Welcome to Brian Geltseiler of NBA Radio. Coming up at the top of the hour in about 10 minutes. Jordan Renan, our good buddy from ESPN, covers the Giants. He'll join us at 9.30. Speaking of Big Blue, they wrapped up minicamp today. So they are done until training camp. Just two days. You know, that seems to be the way that a lot of clubs are going about business right now. It's just two days. People are making it a federal case that... You know, the Jets canceled their minicamp. And when you hear the news about what happened to Chuck Clark, reportedly, you know, with that serious knee injury, I mean, can you blame anybody? You know, minicamp is glorified OTAs. No pads, no contact. Only bad can happen, as far as I'm concerned. You hope you get through it in one piece. You know, the Colts today lost one of their draft picks for the season due to an an injury that took place. You, You don't want this stuff to happen on the practice field, especially in the summer. If you can avoid it. But the news coming out of Giant Camp today, multiple reports say that in the ongoing negotiations between the team and Saquon Barkley that the Giants have upped their offer. And they put the offer back on the table that was there leading up to March for $14 million a year annually, according to the reports. Now, if that is true, and if that is the case, now remember, Saquon supposedly turned this down once upon a time. But if that's the case now, and you're the Giants and you're giving this guy that much money, you want to call it a PR battle, you call it whatever you want, but how is somebody going to side with the player if that is indeed the correct dollar figures that are being part of this negotiation? Like really, for a running back, where you know that the marketplace is not going to take off anytime soon anymore, at least for the foreseeable future. You know what running backs are valued nowadays. You see teams kicking running backs at the curb, ones that are really, really productive, i.e. Dalvin Cook with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, and if you're talking $12, $13 million a year that wasn't good enough for Saquon, and now 14 and that still is not going to get the job done, dude, I don't know what more to tell you. Because you're also saying that you don't want to reset the market, and you don't want to be the guy that's going to be in Christian McCaffrey territory, making all that money that he's making AAV so the legitimacy is one thing about these reports but let's just for the sake of conversation say that it is true how can you side with the player on this one he's a running back and if you're the Giants you cannot cripple your franchise and give in to what a running back is going to want long term we don't know what type of productivity Saquon is going to have for the next two three years I mean it could be all over at this time next year as far as being a top flight, but what if he goes out there this season and reverts back to his form the previous two uh, before last year, to where he was injured, when he wasn't productive, when he wasn't on the field, and then the Giants are stuck with this albatross of a contract, then what? Nobody's sitting here saying that Saquon's not a good player. He's a really, really good player, and he's a great guy, and he's a leader in the locker room and the whole nine yards, but if you're the Giants, you have to be responsible. You can't just be the parent and give everybody, you know, the credit card and say, take what you want, buy what you want. That's not how this thing works. $14 million is a nice payday. Really, really nice payday. You know what? We're going to have Jordan Renan on, coming up in a little bit, as promised. But he made some time this morning because he's a busy guy. He was on GetUp, and he broke down the talks this way. When I talk to people from both sides, the impression I'm coming away with is neither side is especially happy where the negotiations have gone in the past eight plus months. Now, there is hope that by the July 17th deadline that they make progress. But we have to remember the Giants have Barkley on the $10.1 million franchise tag. That's always been a plan that has been on their radar. They're not especially unhappy if that's the way they have to go in this situation. We're going to make Jordan repeat that word-for-word verbatim when he comes on the show a little bit later on. I'm going to ask him the same question, and I want that answer. And we should even play, like, the music in the background, too, like they do on Get Up, the whole nine yards. Like a rock-and-roll sports show. All kidding aside, though, you know what? Giants would love to have Saquon on the books this year for just 10.1 mil. I mean, he's absolutely right. He's 1,000% right, as a matter of fact. But I think I mentioned this the other night, guys. Look around the rest of the NFL. And this is where, if you're Saquon, you lose me a little bit. Because there's other running backs in this league that have been more productive than Saquon Barkley. They're making a lot less than what the Giants are offering. You know, Austin Eckler is a guy that I bring up from the Chargers. Austin Eckler is somebody who's only a year older than Saquon. He's got a six million dollars and one year left on his contract. He wanted a raise. Chargers said, no, we don't want to do that because you're a running back. So we'll give you permission to seek a trade if you think you could get a better contract from somebody else. And there were no bites. None. You know how productive Austin Eckler's been the last couple of years? Guy's got 38 total touchdowns the past two seasons. 38. Saquon's got 14. So how do you think Austin Eckler, out there in L.A., When he's reading the newswire and he's following the Saquon-Barkley negotiations and what Saquon keeps turning down and what he's asking for. And then meantime, you got Austin Eckler with his measly $6 million going on his computer trying to drum up a GoFundMe page so he could pay his bills a night. And he's like, I got 38 touchdowns in two years. Pay me. We'll talk more with Jordan a little bit later on in the state of the Giants and where things currently are. Meantime. We'll get back to hoops when we return. Brian Geltziler, our good buddy from NBA Radio, talk a little wrap-up of the NBA Finals, little Knicks, little Nets. What big names can we expect to see on the move? That is coming up next. the Show, another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN.